All right. Uh, welcome, everybody, um, to another ICEP Connect. Um, and we really appreciate everybody showing up. And also, if you're listening to this or watching this online, uh, thank you for listening and watching as well. Um, we got a great session today. Um, I'll just start off by giving a plug. We have our ICEP conference in 2023 in Santiago de Chile. Um, it is July 4th to 7th. You should see that website up live uh, in very early December, if not, if not uh, late November. Um, we're just putting the uh, finishing touches on it. We're here now November 18th or 19th, Alan, um, depending on what day of the <laughs> day you're listening to this. But we are, we're right about to launch that site and the abstracts. Um, so we have a really cool program. We've worked to... Um, um, really change the pricing around for uh, low um, low income countries so we can make it accessible for everybody. There will be a limited online option as well that you're going to be able to stream the keynotes live um, and have some access to some um, online presentations if you're not able to make it to Chile. So uh, without further messaging here, let me turn it over to Carla Vidoni, one of our board members. Um, who is going to be running this session. Thank you, Risto. Hello, everybody. I'm Carla Vidoni. I'm from Brazil originally, and I work at the University of Louisville in Kentucky in the U.S. Today, I have here my colleagues, Alan Ovens, Luis Sanchez, and Juan Costa. They're going to talk about self-study. I want to read a little bit of a biography of each one of them so you get to know who they are. So Dr. Alan Ovens, he's an associate professor at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. His research investigates critical pedagogies for health and physical education, particularly forms of democratic pedagogy, the methodologies for researching social justice and activist teaching, and how digital technologies and critical pedagogy can be enacted in teacher education to promote teachers oriented towards social justice, environmental sustainability, and meaningful physical education. This includes a focus on humanist themes oriented around critical pedagogy and self-study methodology. That's where you're going to talk today, as well as a contemporary focus on postmodern themes oriented around complexity new materialism and future-oriented digital pedagogies. My friend, Dr. Luis Sanchez, he's a lecturer at Federal University of Ceará in Brazil. Uh, his research agenda includes collaborative teacher education processes between teachers researchers, analysis of collaborative pedagogical practices towards social justice, complexity thinking related to methodological strategies converging to collaborative research with an emphasis on autobiographical narratives, self-study and action research. And my friend, Dr. João Costa from Portugal, but a lecturer at University College of Cork in Ireland. His research interests sustain in the ecological paradigm to link teacher education and teaching quality from the conceptual perspectives of learning communities, communities of practice, collective efficacy, instructional alignment, and promotion of well-being. His projects are strongly pursued from interpretive and community-based participatory research uh, by connecting with a range of academic, professional, and community stakeholders. 
Thank you very much for being here and everybody. This has been a very nice audience. Thanks to all my friends and friends of friends for being here. So now I will pass the talk to Alan. Uh, thank you, Carla, and uh, for that wonderful introduction. Um, and also to Risto, thank you very much for the invitation to talk a little bit about some research that we've been doing and a methodology that uh, is really meaningful to us. Um, and also thank you to Cassandra for managing the uh, all the questions in the background. Um, so the um, and thank you to the audience too with the, you know I know it's a Friday evening for many and maybe an early morning start for for some also. So we're here to talk a little bit about self-study and the aim this morning is to talk through a little bit about the methodology first and then be able to look at a project that Luis and Joe and myself did uh, using self-study. And then we're here to maybe have a discussion or answer any questions that you have about the methodology. So I think a good place to start is to, first of all, just acknowledge that when we talk about self-study, that it is a very broad community. Um, it's one of the really um, strong things about self-study is that it's a, it's, a, it's a network and it's a growing network of people that value this particular methodology and really enjoy sort of working together, collaborating, um, and maybe working as critical friends. Over the last few years, I suppose what's really um, been interesting is the as the way the interest in self-study has grown. And we can see that in the growing number of publications on self-study. And not only the number of publications, but also the growing number of journals that are now publishing self-studies. For those that are new to it, it's worth pointing out that we have um, there are now two, two self-study handbooks. Um, the latest one came out, uh, I think it was last year. And um, Tim Fletcher and I have got a chapter in that one about uh, self-study and physical education, teacher education. And we also have our book there. So it's a, it's a way into the, the method if, if you're interested in it. But there's also a, a wonderful broad range of books on self-study. So it's not just within our particular physical education community. There's also a number of other publications that you can access if you're interested in this, especially for people who are looking at it, doing it for the first time or maybe using it as a basis for your PhD work. Um, it's all there. And then for people who are really, really keen, um, there is a conference called the Castle Conference that is just specifically focused on the methodology itself. Um, the next Castle Conference is next year in August. And um, so it's always every second year in Hurstmonceux Castle, which is in the south of England. So it's where the community, the broader community tend to get together and, um, and explore the methodology in a little bit more depth. So when we talk about self-study, um, what do we mean? Well, the notion of self-study is uh, sort of, an, as it sort of implies, is something to do with researching yourself. Um, and I suppose one of the issues around self-study is that the, the word itself, the title, 
the name self-study is actually a shortening. It started off as the self-study of teacher education practices and has, has evolved to go beyond teacher education to be about um, teaching practice, I suppose. So we can often talk about the, the self-study of teaching practice as, as its more appropriate term. And as something that is initiated by the self, it is a, a, a stance that somebody takes. And I've always enjoyed um, Anthony Clark's quote there, which is, um, which has always been sort of the orienting feature for me, which is inquiry is the defining feature of professional practice. <clears throat> if you cease to be inquisitive about your practice, your practice ceases to be professional. And it captures that, that idea that as a professional uh, educator, as a teacher, you're always questioning and problematizing your practice and uh, thinking about how you can improve. And so therefore, that second point there, the goal of self-study is to investigate questions of practice that are both individually important to the teacher, but also have a broader interest to the teaching community. So that notion of orienting it towards the self in practice is, is the important feature there. One of the key questions of self-study is who is the self? in self-study. So we ask, um, you know, we, we throw this term around, we're doing a self-study, but who, who do, what do we mean by the self? And there are a number of different ways of answering that. Um, in, in the first sense, when we talk about the self, what we're talking about is a, a, a political stance that uh, recognizes that the teacher is somebody who can produce knowledge about their practice. So in conventional research, it's often been somebody who's doing research on the teacher, and the teacher tends to be uh, the person who is a passive subject um, in, the, in the piece of research. Self-study turns that around and says, well, the teacher is actually a knowledgeable participant, capable of participating in the research, asking research questions, setting the research agenda. And, um, and so in that sense, the self is this recognition that it is the teacher who is looking at their practice and capable of producing knowledge. And from an epistemological point of view, it also recognizes that this person is capable of, um, through that enacting of practice, being able to reflect on that practice. Um, and they're the ones who are responsible for taking the results of that practice forward in, um, in a you know, sort of an improvement-oriented way of sort of, you know, the what are the results of those questions and what are the implications for their own practice? And the last point there that we just sort of make is that when we talk about the self, we're not always talking about an individual self. We, we, we often talk about collaborative self-studies where a number of people are involved in that. So a self can be a broader case of a number of people being involved. So then um, how do we do a self-study? That's the next step. The, the key thing about me, the, the idea of a self-study of teaching practice is that it's a very broad methodology. And the best way of thinking about self-study is that it has some key characteristics um, 
because it overlaps with a number of different things, whether it's uh, uh, autobiographies or if it's a uh, narrative inquiry and those sorts of things. So it overlaps. So what makes it um, a self-study in particular? Um, there are, these are some of the characteristics. Firstly, that self-study tends to be self-initiated and self-focused, meaning that the, um, the researcher or the teacher is the person who starts the inquiry, has uh, can problematize their practice and set up the research questions that they're going to, to do and set up the research agenda. And it's focused on their practice. The fundamental reason for doing that is that it's about improvement aimed. So this person is putting their, their practice under the spotlight with their idea of how do they improve their practice. And it's highly interactive. Now, interactive means that um, you're thinking about your, um, it draws upon a number of different methodology or methods for generating data. And uh, in that, it could be um, uh, intera you're interacting with both the data, you're interacting with critical friends, you're interacting with colleagues in the setting, and that you're interacting with um, the literature. And so it's it's a matter of trying to choose a method which is going to be generative for your particular research question or the questions that you're asking. So in that sense, it's not just purely an anecdotal process, but it's a process where you're choosing a method which is going to facilitate you answering the questions that are important to your own practice. Importantly, like any good piece of research, and I suppose this statement is about saying that it has rigor, it has um, uh, the, the intention there is to be able to let the evidence tell the story. And very often when you're thinking about your own practice and you may be thinking about your own assumptions or your own beliefs or um, your um, uh, you know, broader question there is what is the evidence actually saying? And this is why working collaboratively is quite important especially with a critical friend who can help you interpret that evidence and, and perhaps bump you out of your, your ways of thinking so you can see that uh, your own practice afresh in a new way. And then the last sort of feature of self-study is, it, it is this, what we talk, talk about is the turn to the self, that ability to um, reframe your own beliefs about good teaching, to be, that, that what do these results say about your own practice. Now, those five characteristics together um, broadly define a self-study. And for me, what makes it a little bit different is that sort of my background was is through phenomenology was to always understand what somebody else's experience was like. So I always have to fight that tendency to sort of turn the lens away from myself and to look at how other people are doing things and how other people understand things. So in a self-study, it's that discipline to be able to turn it back on my own practice and uh, to be able to problematize the types of things that are happening in my own practice and bring them to the fore and challenge and question them, um, which is the, the hallmarks of, of self-study. So those are some of the broad sort of features. And I think the best sort of understood if we now sort of turn to um, looking at uh, a self-study that we did. And at this point, I will hand off to um, Joe. Thank you, Alan. Um, thank you uh, to, to everyone for, for being here. I'd, I'd just like to echo Alan's beginning thanks uh, 
to, to everyone from the organization to, to the audience. So thank you for, for joining us. Uh, so my name is Ron Costa. Thank you, Carla, for the lovely, lovely introduction that, that you made. Uh, as she said, I'm Portuguese. I'm working in Cork um, in Ireland. And my what I'd like to, to share with you in two different moments, I'd like to share how I started personally the, this journey the, that um, that we're about to, to, to share. And Louise will take you further uh, on, on, the, on that journey. And then I'll come back to tell you how did I end up in terms of my earlier um um my earlier state uh, as i started the, the journey so i guess the the best thing to, to start here is just to tell you a little bit of how alan Luis, and, and myself how we came to how we, how, how we came to be together and this started essentially with a very bold courageous idea from carla uh, lugetti from cecilia Borges and luisa um Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yes. uh sorry yes, so the, <laughs> yes thank you so the three of them they uh, addressed a number of people, uh, colleagues from Brazil and colleagues from a range uh, of different international settings, and they invited us all to connect each other uh, in finding a common interests, and then uh, groups would be formed and different research projects would stem from those groups, and each group would pursue their own project. So this is ex basically how Luis, um, Alan and myself, how we joined. We shared a, a mutual interest in the, the facilitation process of communities of practice, and that's how we started um, to, together. And that's what we're about to, to share with you. Um, Alan, if you could flip, please. Thank you. So um, a little bit of how I started this process of self-study. Um, I had some uh, earlier insights. I was aware of self-study. I had read about self-study. I had never done a self-study. I'd never been part of a self-study project. Uh, so this is a bit of how I started. And my earliest memory of self-study was um, attending a presentation by Missy Parker, uh, where she presented uh, one of her projects of, of self-study. And the reason why that memory is so uh, vivid and so present in, uh, in my memory uh, is because it was very emotional. Uh, I remember all of the emotions that Missy shared um, at the session. So obviously that put a, a very strong seed uh, in my mind in terms of my interest. What is this self-study about? Uh, she was also very, uh, very good at presenting the, the 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 growing network that Alan also referred at the beginning. So clearly, there was there was already a, an established network, and so that sparked my interest uh, in learning a little bit more about self study. So that's a little bit of how my journey in self study started. I also found myself with a very strong disposition to engage uh, with self study, as I find this myself uh, as I find this aligned to my practitioner researcher stance. Um, so I think it was kind of easy for me to buy in uh, and to easily engage from an effective uh, domain uh, with self-study. I also felt comfortable with interpretive and socio-constructivist approaches. I, I'm very much like a mixed, method, ma mixed methods researcher, but leaning more towards the qualitative side. So I felt that I wasn't starting from scratch as I knew that the qualitative would be uh, fundamentally essential, vital for the process. Uh, yet I was unfamiliar on how best to engage with this role of critical friend, um, not necessarily from a practitioner perspective, because I find that I, we do that in our, uh, I do that, uh, I'm part of that in my own community, but as a method, as a research method in itself to support systematic and trustworthy data, that was a kind of um, unfamiliarity that I was dealing with at the beginning. 
Uh, I was also wondering about uh, the differences between uh, the, the methodological and epistemological differences between self-study and other real, uh, similar related approaches, such as action research and lesson study. Uh, I was aware of some elements, some nuances, but I wasn't fully aware of some of those differences or the, the harder, the, the hard core differences. Uh, and I would also, uh, I was also, this was more recently from, uh, from a review that I was doing uh, on a paper on whether the self would be strictly an individual um, person, an individual teacher, or could it also be a collection of individual selves? So those were my initial um, insights, dispositions, experiences with self-study. Uh, and then I'll come back at the end after Luis to, to say how, a little bit of how I ended up the, the process as we submitted the, the, the paper. So at this point, I will pass you on to Luis. We'll tell you a little bit more about our journey. Well, thanks so much, uh, João. Um, good day or night to everyone. And thank you all for joining us in this uh, session. Well, um, I, I first heard of uh, self-study in uh, 2010 in an event, but the first time I really did a self-study and along with uh, Alan and other colleagues, it was four years ago in uh, 2000 and in 2018. And uh, this specific uh, uh, piece of research that we did together, uh, the context of, uh, for it, it comes from the uh, formation of a group of teacher researchers in 2005. Uh, the group was formed by four uh, teacher researchers, uh, Tiemi Okimura Kerr, Carla Ulasovics, and Luciana Venancio, uh, and myself. Um, and although uh, it was not the first time that I investigated this knowledge community, it was in fact the first time that I did investigate it uh, including myself, making myself visible within the community. So it was quite new uh, to me also, uh, because it was uh, the first time that I, I noticed myself visible in the research. And the group uh, aimed to research their own practices and undertake a collective uh, inquiry. Um, can, can, can you flip back, uh, Alan? To just, just, yeah, thank you. Just, just, just to explain that uh, we started uh, with the four of us, but uh, a few years later, uh, the group grew to 268 members. So it, it was quite a large group. And over uh, the past 17 years, lots of avenues for professional growth um, uh, have been created. And in this self-study, we uh, investigated uh, some of those avenues. Um, please, Alan, uh, flip, flip back. No? And regarding the uh, research uh, aim, um, well, through this specific self-study, um, uh, our intention was to examine my own uh, experience in the facilitation and cultivation of the knowledge uh, community and also to better understand how uh, learning communities form, how they are sustained over, over time, how they uh, create professional knowledge and practices 
and how they transform the professional lives of their participants. And uh, I can see that uh, Risto uh, has, um, has asked uh, about the uh, 268 uh, members. So I, I, I think it would be uh, good to, uh, to explain uh, briefly that um, um, they, um, they were uh, teachers working both in basic education uh, from kindergarten to high school and also in higher education institutions. So we can discuss uh, later uh, about the uh, about more details. But have you heard about uh, that the group is based in Brazil in different regions of Brazil? So I think we can uh, we can go on onwards. All right. So um, if I just jump in here quickly, so we talked about um, that self study can draw upon a number of different methods, and um, it, it's. In a sense, it's up to the, the, the researchers themselves to be able to choose the methods which are going to suit the research questions, like just like any particular piece of research. But as I said before, it's a very interactive process. Um, and the researchers or researchers are going to move between working with their colleagues, with sets of data, with critical friends, and with the literature. And there is this interactive process moving between it. it's not always in the sense of like a bricolage although that's a very powerful method um, but is that ability to draw upon a number of different sources which are going to challenge your thinking challenge practice um, and and that's what we sort of drew upon when we're thinking about this particular study of, of what sort of sets of data and what sort of interactions are going to be really powerful for us to understand um the say especially um, Luisa's role within this uh, sustaining this knowledge community. Thank you Alan, for uh, 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 enhancing the the, the 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 sense of of the interaction in, in self study and um, uh, again about our specific uh, piece of, of research. Well, uh, our self-study as a uh, uh, methodological uh, adventure, uh, we have uh, used uh, previous data. And I must say that uh, about the interactions, the interactions often uh, raise different um, feelings, emotions, and uh, uh, assumptions, uh, beliefs, and uh, keeping the dialogue uh, open uh, is uh, uh, a key to uh, uh, to navigate such uh, differences uh, between uh, colleagues, between data sets, uh, literature, and with uh, critical friends also. Uh, we uh, created, we generated uh, many uh, memory stories, and uh, uh, most of them uh, regarding the, the data set itself, but we also shared uh, stories of our own. So stories from João, stories from Alan, and uh, those stories, uh, they uh, made us uh, connect in a deeper way, but uh, they are not all regarding uh, the data set. So we used the specific stories about the data set uh, in, in, uh, in the research and in, in, in the self-study. And, um, uh, specifically about the literature, uh, our 
um, article is about to 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 be published uh, at any minute now is uh, is on press, but um, one would notice that uh, many pages are um, uh, about the the references. So I think a lot of pages, perhaps ten pages of, of the paper, which is a lot. Uh, that's because we really um, uh, shared. Uh, previous articles that we have uh, um, uh, read and we suggested literature for each other and it took a, um, um, quite um, um, a bit of time uh, to read to appropriate of those readings so it was really um, um, a deep um, a deep uh, adventure uh, doing this self-study all together um, Alan can you uh, move ahead please and uh, about our findings, we came to four major uh, thematic arcs as, as findings. The first one uh, regarding the relational connections. Uh, we found that uh, social groupings emerged through their connections and functions uh, within the knowledge community. Then um, connections formed through friendships and shared values between the teacher researchers and uh, the connections were facilitated by face-to-face -face and also online uh, relationships and uh, one one different topics that the leadership uh, has been distributed within the community and it was not uh, assumed in a near uh, hierarchical manner so leadership was not uh, was non-hierarchical, which is quite different from um, uh, a common um, notion of leadership. And the second uh, major findings are related to the affordances, and uh, the social groupings open up affordances for the members, and the participants of the knowledge community valued that uh, valued the uh, collegiality support and affinity to a common mission to research their own practices and uh, address issues of racism and social justice uh, and it was uh, different from um, um, institutional research groups that some members um, uh, have been engaged in their uh, professional and academic uh, trajectories and um, there was uh, a validation of their stance, the, uh, the stance of being a teacher researcher, uh, even working in basic education and not uh, necessarily in higher uh, education, and also opportunities to publish based on the teacher's uh, practices. Uh, please, Alan. Uh, and concluding about the, the findings, the third, um, major thematic arc uh, is related to the effective forces uh, and we came to a question uh, what forces are shaping the relational connections constituting the knowledge community and uh, through that question we came to uh, to some answers well uh, the group has been formed around uh, a common set of values and politics 
and also uh, group activities uh, cultivated feelings of achievement, uh, commitment to one another, and also uh, individually a sense of motivation, but collectively uh, there was a sense of, of mobilization. So I, I say that uh, the, the sense of collective mobilization is um, a difference uh, in this uh, group uh, pathway. And a deep sense of recognition uh, of being both uh, seen and heard by peers in, uh, in the knowledge community. And finally, the fourth um, uh, major findings uh, is related to the agential capacities. The question is what agency becomes uh, possible and enacted for group members. And we used uh, metaphors to uh, trying to, to address that, that question. And specifically two uh, metaphors, uh, springboard and momentum. And through those metaphors, um, we found that uh, 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 within the knowledge community, uh, there is uh, um, um, an enacting, um, the, the, the knowledge community itself uh, is a space for critique um, uh, enacting the voice and activism of its members and also supported the teacher researchers' uh, careers in teaching and their uh, pathways and professional uh, trajectories. And uh, please, Alan, can you uh, go ahead? And I think now is uh, concerning to João and his uh, his ideas after participating in the in the self study. Thank you, Luis. Um, yeah, so this is I guess just I, I was kind of new the newcomer to to the process. It was very rewarding, very enriching. Uh, I, from head, I, I wouldn't be able to remember or or to do the maths on how many hours um of online meetings we've had uh but they, they were they were very 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 rich and very deep so it was a very uh, a, ver a very good process so i guess the metaphor to, to the left in terms of the image with the compass and the map i guess tries to reflect that i feel a little bit more uh, um, my, my state of readiness to to embark uh, on another self-study project uh is definitely better uh i feel a little bit um less lost in terms of how to go about the process and i would just like i kind of connect and bring back to full circle the earlier points at the that i started or as i started so the first one was um after hearing missy parker uh, and her emotional account of the self-study journey i do feel now and relate that emotional side of experiencing self-study uh, as we said and as uh, alan highlighted at the beginning in terms of the of the characteristics uh, it's very personal, it's very deep, it's very rich, uh, it's very shared. Uh, so all of those um, connections and all of all of those opportunities to share definitely bring up an emotional side and even also some of the stories that we hear, they also allow us to connect with the with the emotions of each of the each of the participants, each of us essentially. So that emotional side was very, very clear to me and it's an aspect that I clearly value in terms of the process of the self-study that I, I personally I think I can say that I haven't experienced this kind of emotional element 
uh, with any other methodology that I've engaged so far, which would be the more, I guess, more traditional, more mainstream, I guess. Um, I do find that my dispositions to engage with self-study have become stronger. Uh, I, I do feel that I had the idea that the self-study was very aligned to my practitioner research stance, and now I kind of have um, a certainty that it is, and I also have a little bit of that experience. So definitely, uh, I feel a reinforcement of those dispositions to, to keep pursuing self-study uh, as a um, as another tool uh, in my toolkit to to keep developing my practice and to engage further with with, with research. Uh, I also feel. Uh, that I learned about the benefits of being a critical friend. I guess that having uh, a person such as Alan and Alan and Louise having done this, the the cell study themselves before allowed me to be um, to to learn. Like even though implicitly uh, and invisibly, we never discussed my own learning process about it. But I definitely feel that I learned from uh, from hearing uh, hearing Alan in terms of his. Uh, the way that he would frame the questions and the kind of stories that he would bring and so on that also that definitely helped me to think about and seeing the connection between both of them uh, made me a, a little bit more aware of the value and I mean all of that story that they had before it, it was recurrent so it definitely um, made me learn more about being a critical friend in the process of self-study uh, I'd say that to some extent I'm kind of still wondering um, about some of those deeper differences between self-study and those other similar methods. But I do feel that I'm clear uh, on specific aspects. Uh, some of them have been highlighted by, by Alan in terms of the political element. Uh, that was, very, I, I guess it was very, very um, close to, to Louis' own project. The political dimension was very, very strong. So that clearly uh, was highlighted to me, but also the social and the social constructivist were so prominent, so, I mean, so, uh, how do I say, so consistent, so robust throughout the, all of the process that I do feel that that is very unique to, to self-study. In terms of the method, uh, from the research perspective, obviously, we, 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 had a, we had an objective to transfer this, translate of all of that knowledge, all of those stories uh, to, to a paper, to a research uh, output. So recording as many and as much interactions as possible was essential. Uh, for the research process, but definitely as well for the practice because it allowed us to to keep those memories alive and learn about each other, um, not just during the research process, but also about our own practices. So that recording, that systematic approach, and not leave that at the anecdotal perspective was fundamental uh, for, for us. So those would be my um, reflections at the end of the process. And I know, turn it over back to Alan. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Well, there is one more slide there if uh, anyone views the presentation um, a little bit later. But um, let's just, I know we want to pause and uh, maybe answer a few questions or get into a discussion. Um, hand it back to you, Carla. How would you like to lead it from here? Yeah, well, thank you so much for the presentation. We have some questions uh, on the chat. Uh, Risto is burning to ask a question. Let's see if he can release himself. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I have been waiting to have this conversation because I'm, uh, I am personally confused and conflicted with action research and self-study. And when I have presented in the past action research papers and they go through peer review, the comment almost and always comes back and says, this is a self-study, you should position this as a self-study, but 
But in the beginning, we've always positioned it as the cyclical change and action research. We rooted in the action research. And I try to politely explain that it's not. But then I read what you're saying. So if I look at the action research studies that I've been a part of with an undergraduate student during uh, student teaching, and now with um, Alba, who's on this call as a doctoral student teaching for the first time, it's you know self-focused, improvement is the aim, interactive, it has rigorous evidence, it reframes that thinking, but it's not set in that way when we design it. And so can you kind of speak to that? And I, I know, Joao, you also talked about that in, in your very beginning of your kind of question. So I don't know if you can share any, any information with me on that. Yeah, what a great question. Thank you. Um, and it's the one that always pops up because, you know, in this broader paradigm, um, and I think as Joel sort of talked about, you know, if you're a practitioner researcher, um, you know, what are we searching for in terms of this overall title for this, this sort of group of, um, of, of methods or methodologies? So, you know, the practitioner researcher that's involved in understanding their own practice. And there's, you know, there's a number of different tools that we can draw upon to do that. Um, one of the ways of answering this is to sort of look a little bit of the history of self-study and um, many of the uh, self-study, early self-study researchers in the 1990s were very much part of the uh, the action research community. Um, and you can always track, a, well, you can track the, 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 the split between the action research group and the self-study um, group. As a self-study person, um, you could all kind of look at the the action research and say, did it did it sort of become action research? Did it become sort of more abundant in the sense that theoretically it 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 hasn't gone as extended as is to the potential that it could? You know, how has it been able to be sustained as a sort of a, as a movement? Self study is a little bit more open in that sense because it can draw upon a number of different theoretical ways of of framing itself but I suppose the answer to um to you in a sense is that a an a, an action research project can be a self-study they're not separate they're not different but at the same time an action research um, project can also not be a self-study if it's not focused on the self but it's focused on other research questions if it doesn't kind of fit those broader characteristics then uh, a piece of action research can be um, a collaborative um, exercise to improve practice without necessarily focusing on the um, the researchers own practice or trying to understand their own self in practice so they're kind of overlapping in that sense with that understanding is that they they have come from a, um, the same sort of foundations. I don't if I, uh, if I if I can just do, to share on my on, on my personal perspective, uh, Risto, um, what I feel um, in, in terms of the. I still have the same kind of question. I mean, I don't have like a clear answer that I can provide. But I can say that from experiencing both, uh, both methods, what I would probably say is that action research is more 
um, linear and um, and predictable in its approach. Like you do have a beginning problem, you do rehearse a set of possible solutions. You, you put those solutions into practice. You collect evidence about those solutions, and you see how they unfold into the new development, be the, the product of student learning or be the product of, of a new practice. So that's what I mean about being being a little bit more predictable, a little bit more linear. Uh, you you kind of know from the beginning the kind of evidence that you're looking for. You know the outcome that you're looking for. You might not know the full process, but there's a number of things that are, I, I'd say, are, um, are a little bit more well known at the beginning of the action research journey, where self-study, what I, what I found and it might might have been I only have this one experience from my own, um, so it might I might be biased in the sense that I only have this kind of experience. But what I found was it's definitely more complex, that's definitely uh, less linear. I'd say it's very non-linear. We would never. We actually have a. Uh, I don't know if this is a a good story or a, a good way to represent. But I remember that one of our struggles as we were trying to put the paper together was actually trying to capture what are the actual pieces of findings and how can we represent those findings we knew what what the story was but it was so unpredictable it was very hard for us to put all of the structure of the paper together and i think that represents the non-linearity of the process because we knew uh, that we were generating evidence we knew that we we're generating stories we knew that we were chasing um, a research question that we presented but it it was never clear the kind of outcome or product that we would end up with. Um, so I don't know if that's a, a, a good uh, beginning answer, but that's my experience of the how I feel the differences between the two methods so far. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm also wondering, how do, you, how do you navigate the first person language in your writing? So, you know, research papers that you see a lot, they're like, you know, Risto and Cassandra are researchers that this, this and this university, they did this and this and this, and you, you write in a removed space versus when Alan, you're doing a self-study on yourself. How do you present that data? Like, where do you turn to first person versus, or do you just explain in the paper, I'm going to be using these, you know, pronouns to describe what's happening. Cause I, I found, found that very confusing as well. Um, in part, I think that depends on the journal because often the journal editors will will um, have an opinion whether you use the you know your your names in that process. Generally, I like to default to saying um, you know, using your names because this is the the self study aspect of it, and then um, to default to a third person would be around ethical issues or whether. Um, you are um, the editor is sort of saying like you know let's let's throttle back and just not not use first names in that sense. The only other time that I may not use the the a name in there is if the method itself suggests not using somebody's names. So the example there is like collective memory work where you would deliberately not use your name. Um, when you write a memory story, because it allows you to step back from that memory and be more descriptive rather than um, be part of that story. So um, I think that's, as I, as I said, my my first thing would be to use my name and, um, and then um, be guided on that afterwards. 
Okay, so um, can I proceed with another question? All right, so Fermanu had a, 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 from Qatar, he had a, a comment about graduate students and uh, uh, Dono kind of sent him some resources. Um, anything Dono wants to say to ask or Fermanu, do you want to ask something? Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, um, hello, hi everyone. Sorry, my camera isn't working. Um, I just had one question actually about um, autoethnography, uh, which I dabbled in, I've started to dabble in as well too. Um, so given recent discourse around autoethnography, I had written a performance autoethnography, but I felt, um, I didn't feel sure that it was, that what I had written was, uh, I, I was a little bit concerned about putting it into out for review in relation to the ethics of what I was writing about. Uh, so what I did was I gave it to uh, I had a critical friend, and then I didn't wasn't sure about my critical. Well, my critical friend didn't have a background in autoethnography, but was still my critical friend at this, this point in purpose. So I then put it out for another friend of mine for an external audit, uh, and that this person would have been like myself, just very new, very uh, new to auto or to self study. So I still felt that I needed a professional opinion. So I put it out to another person who was an autoethnography. Uh, professor so i'm just wondering is that overkill or what role would, would those people play in that particular instance considering that i wrote this uh, i conducted the study myself i relied on my critical friend but i also then asked these people to look at something because again my concern about what's ethical and not kind of came up uh, and it's something i suppose which is discourse around self-study at the moment thanks <laughs> um can i just clarify that like the question is around, you sort of said, is it overkill? But it is, is it the role of the critical friend in that process and the, the layering of a number of different critical friends, which is um, the question there? I think so, yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, like, I didn't necessarily draw on the last, the, the two people that weren't directly involved in the study or in, on the site or in the, the, the study itself. And I'm just wondering, like, where do well, where would you where do these people where are they position? Does that make it a collaborative self study, or be or or not? I think right. confusion I still have in my head. Um, I think I, I I remember sitting in a conference once and somebody presented um some of their work and uh they had a little group who'd worked as a their critical friends, and at the end of it um. Just not embarrassing him, but uh, Murray Phillips, I think, from from Queensland University, sort of said, "Ah, so this is what it's become. Is it just the pooling of collective ignorance?" <laughs> and it always stuck in my mind. At what point does collaboration with our peers, um, lim you know, not contribute to um, disturbing and interrupting, or even? Uh, provoking us to reanalyze that our assumptions and our beliefs and uh so it, it's always sort of been there for me so the role of that critical friend is really about being able to make us rethink that data in a way which is not just confirming what we've already previously thought but maybe bring a fresh set of eyes to it now i know someone like um tim fletcher um and 
uh, his work with Anne McPhail uh, and his group um, there, they they talk about having different critical friends at different levels. Um, and that was a case of being able to progressively kind of step away from the, the project so that I think um, Mary Sullivan was, was there, one of those um, sort of senior critical friends who could ask some really um, good questions, which um, meant that they, she wasn't immersed in that sort of the immediacy of the data and, and the experiences and what have you, but she could just, so there, there was that opportunity. And so that sounds similar to what you've done. You sort of, at each step there, you've had somebody else uh, question you, but in the end, because it's that political stance, it is your, you know, your ability to um, take on board that, um, rethink your practice, and then um, come to that final, uh, I suppose, those outcomes. Um, I don't know if that's a good answer to, to your question there, but. I think Denise has the comment there, meta-critical friend. So I think we'll leave it at that for me, but thanks very much. And uh, well, on the same line, Seth Eckler asked about if there are specific guidelines for um, critical friend when you do a self-study. Or you could have suggestions of literature too. Um, yes, it's, it's some really um, good work around critical friends in the self-study literature. I think the uh, second handbook has got a chapter on critical friends. Um, as I just said, I think um, Tim Fletcher has has um, worked with some colleagues and, and written about being a critical friend. Um, so some of the guidelines are there. Um, if, if Tim was online, he would talk about the need to develop that relationship first. And often when you're starting out on a project, it's... Um, it takes a little while to, to develop the levels of trust and, and that's required. Um, and so the, I suppose that's the two sides of that, that term critical friendship. It is about having a, um, the, what the, what friendship implies. It implies a sort of a non-hierarchical relationship, which is developed, um, but also somebody who's invested in supporting and enabling, um, the project to go forwards. And the notion of critique is in there, um, from the point of view of, um, being able to ask and probe um, and challenge some of the assumptions and the ideas and the interpretations that you're making around that data. So um, those are kind of a broadly some ideas about critical friendship, but also, but, you know, the, the literature's out there. Um, I see um, Joel wants to add in here something, Joel. Yeah, with my very modest experience of being a critical friend uh, in, in this process, I say that probably the two uh, biggest skills, if I can put it like that, that uh, I felt uh, that were needed or were warranted for me as a critical friend were the hearing skill, being very, uh, very willing to hear and to not, not just hear, but absorb and uh, like take notes and think and, and think deeply about what was being said. So that was, I guess, my first most important skill. And the second one, uh, Alan mentioned that, that as well, the questioning, uh, but like 
questioning like with a with a sense of friendship not not questioning for the sake of questioning or for critiquing but questioning sometimes even sharing your own story so what you're saying makes me think it makes me think about something that happened with myself or this makes me think about this own story and is there any relationship between this or the other so the the hearing and the questioning including the sharing piece there i think they're fundamental practical elements of being a critical friend Well, thank you. We have three minutes left, and then we have a question on the chat. If um, Alan Juan Luis, you can read. It's Kelly Baker. It's quite long, so if you can help me out reading, uh, I can save some time. Okay. Is, is the one about the cultural differences, is that? It is the one, if a characteristic of a self-study is self-initiated, in what ways can it be self-study if a researcher initiates the study with teachers by coming to teachers with something on which to focus their self-study? In other words, as a researcher, I want to support teachers with self-study, but does it lose the characteristic of being self-initiated if it wasn't the teacher who initiated the research nor the focus? Example, an unfamiliar pedagogical approach. Um, sorry. No, I, I hope you understood. Yeah, no, 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 I, I, it's, it's, a, um, it's a really interesting problem, isn't it? Because you're bringing to that, uh, that situation your expertise as, uh, as an academic who knows the field, who, um, um probably can see some issues that need to be addressed um and i suppose the starting point is to recognize the teacher as a fellow um uh, expert in their particular context who uh is also capable of um, entering into this risk project and so i suppose the starting point is to have some conversations around um the type of issues and um, that are prevalent in that particular context. Normally, when I've worked with teachers in the past, and you ask them to, you know, what are the what are the problems and questions they have about their practice? They're they're very good at being able to put on the table the types of issues that are really important for them. And the teachers implicitly understand the sort of the complexity of the 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 situation in which they're working. So I think it's possible to develop a, a collaboration with teachers where you're exploring the type of issues which are relevant to them in their practice. Um, and I know that uh, in one sense, I, I kind of think it would be really frustrating if I was a teacher, and this kind of happens at the university at times, that somebody comes in and says, here's the solution. This is all you have to do. Do this. Um, and doesn't engage me in the discussion of saying, well, what are some of the issues that you're uh, encountering in your teaching at the moment? And how does your pedagogy emerge as a response to those types of issues and the constraints that you're facing in your situation? So that would be the starting point to explore some of those things and then move on from possibly there. Alan, thank you very much. I sent a message accidentally. It's just one person instead of to everybody. So I would like to say thank you to everyone. We want to be mindful about the time. It's three o'clock where I live. <laughs> so it is time for all of you. But 
Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And uh, thank you again for everybody, for all your work, for your attendance. Okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.